Well, hello there, friends from all around the great big round planet Earth. Uh, you've done it again. That's right. You've pushed the button marked play on another... Another propitious episode of V8 Radio, Kevin. Propitious. Now, uh, isn't that a... Uh, a hair regrowth product? <laughs> well, <laughs> it could be when you hear the definition. Um, giving or indicating a good chance of success or favorable. Oh, so right on. You're hoping for success that regrow your hair. Right. Well, that's uh, that's good then. Yeah. Right I'm on. your host, uh, Kevin Oste, joined as always by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mark Cuball-Clark. And uh, we're having a, a propitious episode here today. You know, people ask me if, uh, you know, they give me a hard time sometimes about not having hair, and I have to tell them that I have more than enough hair. <laughs> you have plenty. If I let this grow, uh, it, it's like a public health hazard. It just goes, <laughs> it's like a crazy bush. So I choose to, to cut this the way it is. So mm-hmm. if this episode starts to grow hair, I don't really need that. <laughs> right on. I do. I do, however. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just afford it to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, for those who know this show and uh, uh, expect, you know, the expected, uh, every episode we try to kick things off with an automotive style trivia question. And, uh, you know, there is no... There's no prize except for the satisfaction and enjoyment of uh, listening all the way through and hearing if you got it right as you are an at-home player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you prepare a trivia question for us tonight? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lord knows we had enough time to prepare one. Um, let's see. All right, Kevin. So what we're going to give you today is three chances for Ooh. greatness here. Wow. Yeah, um, you go or three <laughs> chances to fail miserably. I, I only need one correct answer, or if you're feeling, you know, propitious, um, you can give me all three. And I mean, if you want, you know, you want to make the Neo Wise comet change orbit and have, have it come back towards Earth and all that good stuff by getting all three right, you can do that. So that said, um, can you tell me? The year, or the make, or the engine displacement of the last engine to use a Rochester Quadrajet carburetor. Oh, great. (laughs) You got three shots, baby. The year, engine, or make. Correct. The last... I'm going to assume factory built. Yes. Rochester quadrajetted vehicle. Correct the mundo. Not and vehicle, engine. engine. Yeah, see, here's where things get sticky because this could be on a generator in Argentina. For okay. All, all right. All right. Let's not go down that path because well, I'm not about that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to be on a, on, a, on a production vehicle. Okay. <laughs> generator. Okay. Uh, well, you what, know, what generator uses a quadrajet? Hey, they're out there. You, <laughs> right. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and that one has a bent air horn too, because somebody overtorqued it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so quadrajets. You know, I think the last, the last American carbureted vehicle in general was probably an eighty-eight, eighty-seven, something like that, and you know. Is this in the U.S.? Yes. Okay. So an American vehicle that uh, last was fed by the Rochester Quadrajet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it was a 88 Chevrolet pickup truck. I, I don't care what the vehicle was. I care about the engine. 350, 5.7, or 305, 350, 5.7 liter. 5.7. Kevin says 88 Chevy, 5.7 liter. Yeah, and it's probably not that. But, I mean, you know, the things that require four barrels, the V8s, lasted 
I think the longest by Chevrolet. Cadillac had V8s, but they went to, you know, that crappy fuel injection. Uh-huh. Pontiac got out of the game. Buick got out of the game. Oldsmobile got out of the game. So Oldsmobile and Buick and Pontiac were using Chevrolet engines at that point. But, you know, so that's why I say the odds are it was a Chevrolet. Okay. Um, but Quadrajets came on basically everything at one point. You could get a Quadrajet on a Ford. Did you know that? Uh, I think I did know that. Yeah. You could get a, I think you could get a Quadrajet on a Chrysler. That I did not know. I think that's true. A couple of them. So, uh, yeah, that's my guess. Okay. I've got a, you know, 99% chance or thir- that it's wrong. It's a nice guess. It's a good guess. Just some thought there. Yeah, totally. I like the guess. All right. Well, I got one for you, and I don't know how to do this. I, I could ask oh the question either way, and <laughs> so oh it's like, I'll, I'll let you pick which way. All right. So either I give you a vehicle, and then you tell me why it's significant, or I tell you the significance, and you tell me the vehicle. Okay. You tell me the vehicle, and I will tell you why it is significant. All right. And I'm sorry either way on this one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, you know it's going to be a doozy when you're apologizing up front. All right. Yeah. All right. So I'm telling you the the significant... No, I'm telling you the vehicle. The vehicle. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, in uh, in July of 1961, on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine, a uh, an interesting vehicle. It was a very customized 32 Ford built by a gentleman named Chili Catalo, and it was called the Silver Sapphire. But aside from being the Hot Rod cover car, why was this particular vehicle significant? Oh, brother. Can I give you more? Let me think. I'm going to I'm going yeah. to need to phone a friend. Yeah, I'll give you more cuz I don't want to be that guy, right? I appreciate that. Uh and it's got something to do with, you know, I got to be careful. I just don't want to just give this yeah, thing away. Yeah, I, I understand. Um If I would have done my homework a little bit better, I would have had a better way to ask this. So this, uh, this particular vehicle called the Silver Sapphire that was on the cover of July 1961 Hot Rod magazine was also on the cover of something else that was very, very popular um, with, uh, with the kids at the time. So it was not only a magazine cover car. Okay. It was on the cover of something else. Okay. This really sounds like a Hollywood game show, doesn't it? It does. I need Gene Rayburn here or something. <laughs> crying out does. loud. <laughs> Chuck Woolery here. Yeah. And, uh... Uh, I'll be back in two and two, Kev. That's it. All right. Uh, what other? What else was it on the cover of? It was. I am gonna say, 1961. It was. I'll give you a little more of a hint. Oh. The the hot rod cover was the first appearance okay so the significant the other significant cover came a little bit later but it was the same image just uh, cropped differently all right the only thing that's coming to mind is that it was on a box of wheaties a box of Wheaties, <laughs> known to the rest of us as human fuel that is rarely consumed by automobiles. <laughs> but our boy Chili Catalo <laughs> crossed all space and dimension and landed his 32 Ford on a box of Wheaties. Well done, well done, Chili. Well done. <laughs> God dang it. Oh, man. Is is that your final answer? Because it's a good one. Oh, yeah. It's got to be my final answer. It's got to be. All right. Okay. Oh, my Lord. Help us all. I'm so sorry, folks. Help you anyway. (laughs) You gave me a lot of help. (laughs) Well, that was fun. 
So uh, <laughs> it, it's been a little while. We uh, yeah we were doing these like weekly, and then and then people started going back to work, and everything was kind of happening again, and kind of got away from it a little bit. So I uh, oh. got a little catching up to do, trying to think of what happened in well. the past. Uh, couple of weeks well I, i'll tell you what, what we can talk about what happened today and that is you you drove home in a 62 galaxy i did how I about did. that and it, it's been almost a year wow good night irene yeah it was the uh the evening of our uh what was the annual drive-in cruise event mm. um and uh, kelly and i were going to head to the event and uh the transmission decided to fail and uh, when that happened, we put the car in storage because, um, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to work on my own stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. So over the course of the year, we were able to zip it in and out of our shop every once in a while and, and get a few things done. And all those little projects finally culminated today. And I did. I drove it home and it was great. Dig it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Drove really well. Uh, it was you're going to you're going to experience the same thing when your car's back on the road. Oh, because my gosh. When enough time goes by, it um, you know it's a little unfamiliar, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things come kind of flooding back right away. But a lot of this stuff, you know, annoyances or nuances are new. You know, things that you might have been accepting of before. You're like, uh, what's with this? Um, so I did identify a few more things that I wanna I wanna iron out mm-hmm. in the car, but. The the short I mean we we changed it we fixed a bunch of stuff I had a a window regulator on the passenger side that was actuated by a vice grip clamp <laughs> uh, finalized the uh, installation of my tilt steering column with a uh, um, a clamp and a and a floor block off plate and and most of this work was done by Jonathan in our shop oh, right which on. was which was pretty cool sure uh, able to uh, to let him go to town so he fixed all that stuff. All right. Well, at least we've got uh, that figured out now, so we can we can uh, kind of start our show eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what else has uh, been happening in your world over there, dude? From an automotive standpoint, absolutely nothing. Every show I've been trying to go to has been canceling. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, it is. Um, so but you I've- bought a car. Oh yeah, I did buy a car for so that's uh, something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So for yeah, for my wife, my uh, my older daughter is uh, sixteen now. She has a driver's license, and uh, she inherited my wife's uh, current daily driver, the the trusty old Sonic, and um, we got my wife a a used uh, but uh, not abused Hyundai Santa Fe. Right on. Yeah first foreign car we've ever bought wow yeah well you didn't buy it new though that's true did not buy it new so it's, um, a, it's a 2016 45,000 miles it looks spectacular and it looks brand new yeah yeah so, and you've had that now for a couple of weeks huh yeah about two weeks how's it going it's great we, we do over to my in-laws who live about 80 miles away today and uh it was fabulous so it feels like it feels like I'm all grown up now. <laughs> oh no, yeah, that yeah, ain't right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, for it's it's a rare time in my life. It happens every once in a while, but uh, uh, the planets are aligned, and all of my old cars are now running and driving. Hot diggity dog! Yeah, how about that? That's awesome. That's even better news. It is good news. Um, so I guess the old reliable is Kelly's 54 Chevy truck and mm-hmm. that thing, we don't really do much with it outside. I use it here and there to haul wood or it gets used in the wintertime more than, than the summertime. Sure. And uh, the only problem we ever had with that one is the ignition switch. It has a push button start on the floor. Right. Yeah. Right. And to turn this thing off, um, people tend to leave the ignition on for whatever reason, and it ends up killing the battery, you know, because oh. it sits for a while. So that, you know, really sometimes you got to just jump start it and it's fine. Okay. But that's the only thing that ever goes wrong with that one. Uh, as we talked about in recent episodes, my Buick's all tuned up and that thing's doing really well. Nice. Uh, but a year ago, almost to the day, um, I had an issue with uh, the 62 Galaxy convertible with the transmission failing to go into overdrive and 
giving me some problems. And, you know, like the plumber with the leaky pipes, you know, that car got put into storage. Oh, yeah. And I said, I'll deal with that later. <laughs> and later finally rolled around. So uh, we recently brought it to the shop. Um, our guys, a couple different of our team members worked on it, pulled the transmission out and, and had it rebuilt. And uh, um, put that back in. Made a few might as well syndrome type updates. Perfect. Um, put a new... Uh, aluminum radiator in it and uh, a pair of uh, Derailly uh, electric fans on it. Right on. Um, my radiator that was in it was an aluminum AFCO radiator, and it had been a solid 20 years old, basically. Holy and, cow. Yeah, and it just started to show signs of leaking. Oh. So it was time. Yeah. Um, and it it, uh, it worked fine, you know, so we replaced it with something, actually a Holly Frostbite radiator, uh, another aluminum, very basic, um, you know, automatic transmission, three-core uh-huh. radiator that was actually designed for a Mopar, I think, for 70 Roadrunner. Oh, wow. Which just happened to dimension out to the being similar to my Galaxy. Dynamite. So we threw that in there, painted it black this time instead of leaving it aluminum, and uh, uh, got the fans in. The fans, it's a pair of 12-inch fans that move 4,000 CFM of air. Gee whiz. Well, if you ever put a blower on that, <laughs> you, you'll oh still gosh. have enough air to, to, to cool it down. I might as well just duck those fans into the intake, and that is a blower. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> because uh, it, it's far too much uh, uh, air capacity that I need um, for certain. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this thing, when the fans come on, you can be standing behind the car and feel the air moving underneath really? it. Really? Holy yeah. cow. I mean, it's crazy. Do, do they have multi-speeds, or is it just one speed? This is a single speed. It's got a kind of a dummy fan switch. So it, it uh, and that's kind of a funny story too, because the switch was uh, uh, advertised as turning on at 195 and turning off at 175. And this car has always run cool. And I wanted to actually put more heat into it uh, for better efficiency right. and, and whatnot. So it used to run at like, 170 175 and you'd sit in traffic and and in a hot day and it, w- it would creep up there and you know the previous fan was supposed to turn on at 185 so sure. i thought you know what i'm going to do i'm going to bump that turn on temperature a little bit so i wanted to go to 195 well i put the fan switch in and i fire this thing up and i'm watching the temp gauge and i'm watching my uh laser pyrometer and i'm mm-hmm. I'm seeing it climb and climb, and here we are at 180, 185, here we are at 190, here we are at 195. Come on, and there's come no on fans. fan. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's the worst thing in the world because electric fans, there's multiple things that could be happening. You know, is it a bad fuse? Did something come loose? Right. On the electrical side, is the switch bad? So I, you know, I shut it down and, and then spent some time checking everything, and everything seemed to be okay. So I just said, well, screw it. Fire it up again. And yeah you know, put some heat in it. Well, mm-hmm. it's just idling in my garage one night and it takes forever to get up to temperature. Really? Well, it's oh, just boy. idling. Yeah. But finally at two Oh nine, the fans came on. You wanted heat. No. You got heat. I got a little more heat for yeah. sure. And, and it was then that I read the online reviews of this particular <laughs> fan switch that everybody says it says one ninety five, but my turns on at two ten. So <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always read that stuff last, you know, uh-huh. Um, but you know, two tens fine and, and yeah. they turn on and, and, uh, the only thing I'm noticing now is that it's supposed to be a 20 degree hysteresis. So it's supposed to be like, you know, technically it'd be two ten, meaning it would turn off at one ninety. but they don't seem to turn off willingly. And I think the temp gauge, it's just a cold hot. It doesn't have numbers on it. Uh-huh. And it seems to go, they pull the heat right out of the fan, out of the radiator for uh-huh. sure. Uh, the, the gauge swings to the left, but they don't turn off. So I don't know if I'm just like tickling that 190 number, like the thermostat. It's, I think it's a 185 stat. So, I mean, it just might be, you know, right there. And, and the fan switch is right in the thermostat housing. So um, I'm not sure that they are going to turn off. Mm. Uh, but I did notice, I mean, I was expecting the car to sit there idling and then they would just shut off. Right. But they stayed on. But uh, driving down the road, they eventually do turn off. So Oh, good. You know, I'm pretty sure I could unplug those fans and just drive down the road and not Probably. have a temperature problem at all. So, yeah, you should keep that pyrometer with you the next time you're driving and it, they do turn off. 
pull over and just take a measurement to see where it is, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I'm figuring to do something. And that car does have, you know, that Ford EFI system. So I could data log with the laptop and see oh, what right the temperatures on. are, too. You know, I just got to find, find the cable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> so, but the thermal control system is back in action. And then we made a bunch of little repairs. I needed a wheel bearing in the front and I needed an axle bearing in the back and, and, uh, that stuff got fixed. And my oil pan had a leak because of, uh, the, the drain plug got over tightened once. So I've, I've had another oil pan sitting on the shelf for 20 years. So <sighs> finally got that installed and, um, some headlight adjusters and just a whole bunch of little, little okay. stuff. Um, the passenger door finally now has a window crank. Hallelujah. Since the first time we've owned that car in 1993. Yeah, get out of here. Really? Wow. It's had a, a little vice grip on there uh-huh. for 27 years. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's fixed. It got aligned. It got uh, wheels balanced and rotated and all that jazz. So I, I took it for a cruise and um, it's wonderful. It drives fantastic. That's yeah, dude. That makes me really happy. I know that you've been wanting that on the road for a long time, and you've been wanting to get all those little nagging things fixed that we talked about before. And I, I don't consider hardly any of that as might as well syndrome. A lot of that sounds mission critical to me. So sure, yeah, yeah. it all needs to be dialed in right. So you, you have to do it. Absolutely. And I noticed right away that the um, transmission was was getting soft this new one shifts much firmer and uh even with the same calibration in it as the old one had so i uh retuned the the shift points and the uh the firmness the the line pressures uh because that's all electronic on that car too and it's easy to do so it it shifts wonderfully you know just a nice Mm. firm quick you know one two two firm without being harsh huh nope exactly it's wherever you want it and uh, uh the steering um there was a bigger project a while ago when I put a Borgeson uh, integral power steering box in the car because those those old Fords had that hydraulic ram assist steering, right? Like the Corvettes, mm-hmm. um, and it's a monkey mess. So uh, <laughs> put this uh, Borgeson steering box in it and didn't quite finish the job. Um, I had to. Uh, secure i put an i did a tilt column in it as well but the column needed to be secured to the firewall with a custom clamp and a little panel and uh, i just didn't get around to finishing that so jonathan in our shop made that panel and that clamp and got that secured nice Nice. you know the column's real solid and one of the complaints was actually that the steering was too tight like it wouldn't return center easily okay you'd let go of the wheel and it would just kind of stay turning almost Hmm. um and uh, I looked at it, and I couldn't figure it out. And uh, Trevor found out that I had over-tightened the idler arm. Oh, the idler wow. arm's got a rubber bushing in it. So huh. he just loosened the torque on that, and then the idler arm was free, and then everything freed up nice. And Perfect. So, yeah. So a lot of little stupid things got, got dialed in. We put some – I've got the hood hinges rebuilt, which was just – it doesn't sound like a big deal, but – you used to have to lift the hood up as high as you could and then it let it kind of slowly come down to where you'd think it might want to hang. Oh, wow. You know, and the, the you'd open the hood and it would make this spring noise like an old flip-up garage door. Oh, yeah. That's scary. <laughs> <A> twang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> and now the hood lives perfectly straight up and down. It mm. stays right where you put it. And, uh, mm. yeah, there's an outfit called uh, SMS in... I think it's SMS on the East Coast that that takes your hinges and they grind them all out and they reweld them and put new pins in and oh, new rivets and oh yeah they do great work, so that's that's really cool. So kind of makes you feel like you have a new car again, doesn't it? Well, especially when you don't drive the thing for a year and then you yeah. change all that stuff and and now you're you're back behind the wheel and it's like oh man and it, and it it I have to remember back of all the stuff that really annoyed me, you know? Oh right. Um, cause before I did that steering conversion, it was all over the road. And before it had that tilt column, you know, it was uncomfortable and, uh-huh. you know, the, the transmission was, you know, a slush box and everything else. So even little stuff like, uh, a pinion seal on the rear end has been a tiny little nuisance leak forever. So the guys fixed that in the shop and now there's no little spot on the floor when you back it out. You know, right on. Is, 
you know, lots and lots of little stuff, which means you end up getting more critical of everything else. Ah, uh, you're never happy. Never well, happy. Well, it's not that you're never happy, but but I noticed like uh, uh, the the seat position. So when we bought this car. It's a factory Ford Galaxy 500XL, which means buckets and console from the factory. Sure. And the original seats had been reupholstered. We think it was a Tijuana upholstery job. It was, really? It wasn't. It was pretty nice, yeah. But it, it just had finally worn out. Um, and they were pretty comfortable, and they were, you know, they're early '60s Ford's bucket seats, so they're not very supportive. Right. Um, but we had them restuffed, um, you know, a while ago now. And the the upholstery shop that did it, it's before we had that capability in house, and they're they're overstuffed. Mm. So you sit high in the seat, and you feel closer to the steering wheel. And no doubt that the uh, I put a Grant uh, stainless steel spoke wood steering wheel on the car, mm-hmm. and it's got a deeper dish than than I think I accounted for when I we measured the, the column. So it's a little, it is a little bit closer to you. So mm. everything feels a little more cramped. Mm, okay. So that's kind of next on the list is it's either we're going to move the seat back or maybe just restuff them or put something else in there that's a little a slightly more supportive bucket seat. I see. Uh, and get that straightened out. And then, uh, you know, there, like you said, there, there, there's always a list of stuff to do. Um, I got some different wiring to do and and the car has a two-speed wiper motor but a single-speed wiper switch oh boy so that needs a chance i finally yeah. found an nos two-speed wiper switch okay um, cool and that's got to get put in and now is it supposed to have a two-speed or did it come with a single speed from the factory it came the car had a two-speed but a million years ago i changed the whole dash for a 63 mercury dash right Right. And uh, the switch came along for the ride because okay. uh, I had incorrectly assumed that the Mercury also had a two-speed, mm. but it had a single. So that Mercury dash belongs in that car. Yeah, it, it, it would. I, I remember looking at it last time when you pointed it out, and it is just spot on with the styling of the, of the rest of the car. The outside and everything is perfect for that dash. It really feels like it was switched at birth. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know the the little zebra striped cast plated trim and the circular gauges match the other circles on the car and the zebra stripe trim and mm-hmm. i don't know why it it was the way it was but that is becoming a, kind of a hot thing now i've seen i've seen three or four of those cars now where people are starting to do no that kidding. right on yeah george potit's got one that bobby alloway built uh i think uh uh a couple other people in facebook groups and stuff have have done that so cool so yeah, you know it's getting there. I need to put uh, a long time ago. I put a reproduction side mirror on the car because the car did not come with side mirrors from the factory. Really? Yeah, they were an option, and somebody it didn't have side mirrors and it didn't have reverse lights. Oh my gosh! I know. In '62, that feels like something from the '40s. That does, right? Yeah. So I had bought a uh, a reproduction correct side mirror for the car, and it's got a ball stud. You know that the yeah mirror rides on and and the the clamp inside there wore out and oh, all of a sudden no. the mirror's flopping around flopping gosh darn it so i gotta get another one i just found one of those on ebay so i got that coming and, cool you know I, I i i used to have a black convertible top boot for it and i don't know what the heck happened to it so oh. i'm gonna get another one of those you know but these are you know like i said we're down to little stuff right so well, that's, that's awesome, uh, man. That's 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 really great. I, I'm glad that you got that going, and I know what that car means to you, and how long you guys have had it, and it was your father's before you, and uh, I know it's really important that uh, it it stay functional and you're able to use it. Yeah, you know, and it, it felt like something was missing. I didn't really realize it until I drove it again. I was like, hey, I remember this car, you know. Yeah. And no doubt you're going to experience the same thing when the GTO's back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I hope so. I really, I really hope so. I really miss driving that car a lot, a lot, lot. Yeah, and you, you notice all these little things that you forget about when you drive it, mm-hmm. reconnections, and, and I'll say the number one annoyance that I still got to take care of, and we had talked about this before. It, it has the four DFI system on it, and and I, I have a sniper system, with a four barrel intake manifold, and I'm gonna make that conversion at some point. Cool. Uh, 
probably not right away because I'm enjoying driving it. Yeah. Um, but there's a few more steps there. So, for example, it's an electronic transmission that needs a throttle position sensor. And the, the Holley EFI system has a built-in throttle position sensor, but you can't split the signal to go to the transmission controller as well. Oh, really? So you have to rig up an external TPS. Oh, and yeah. I ha- there's a fast bracket that allows you to do that okay. and blah, blah, blah. So th- that's all going to happen. But the other annoyance that I would like to take care of is the valve train sounds like a sewing machine. Uh, is that right? It's ticky, yeah. And huh. and it, it always was. It's it's roller lifters, roller huh. fulcrum rockers, roller tip rockers, and they're adjustable and they're adjusted properly, uh-huh. but there's just a little bit of bearing in there. And and you know, I've read a lot about these and a lot of people say that's just the way they are, you know, these they they make noise. So you might experience that on the GTO. Yeah. A little bit, and now that the car is getting quieter, and you know, <laughs> that's becoming it, yeah. a little more obvious, uh-huh. and uh, I'm I'm kind of over it. So, are, are they hydro- hydraulic lifters? Yep, oh, hydraulic really? lifters, wow. um, and they they pump up just fine, and you know everything does what it's supposed to do. But I just think that there's all these little, all these little machines in there, these little roller systems yeah. that accumulate, yeah, either make sound. A, a thou here and there of tolerance as uh-huh. they go through their operation and they make noise. Huh. So I used to have an 86 Mustang GT 50 and this one's a 351 but it's the same it's a Windsor it's similar. Uh-huh. And that that engine made no noise whatsoever. I mean the the valve train was dead dead silent. Wow. But it wasn't roller. Oh really? Yeah. It was a it was a roller cam right. but it wasn't like a roller Tip or a roller fulcrum uh, rocker. Rocker. It was a stamp steel ball mount rocker. Not adjustable. They just, Ford figured it out and just built a million of them. So there is a performance reduction by going back to those. But at this point, I'm almost thinking if I can, if I can just quiet this thing down, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's not a race car. No, it's not. It's a a fun car. It's a cruiser. It should be enjoyable. Exactly. So make it enjoyable. Shouldn't shouldn't be nagging at me. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man! But speaking of George Poteet, you got to see some cool stuff from that guy recently. Well, I did, um, and we're gonna. I'm gonna kind of bend the space time continuum here because uh, last weekend I went out to Bonneville to the Salt Flats and recorded a bunch of stuff, and a lot of things happened. But what I would like to do is actually hold that for our next episode. Oh, okay. We can so do that. Th- this just became a teaser uh, <laughs> because nice. uh, I-, I recorded some cool interviews and it's going to take a little bit to put it all together. And okay. it's, a, it's a cool story. So I want to, I want to make that one nice. And uh, okay. um, I've, I think I've got some time this coming week. Uh, be do- I'll be doing some traveling and uh, I should be able to cut those clips down. And, okay. So yes, stay tuned. Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but it man. was uh, interesting today. I, I took the Galaxy, and, and it's funny. My my Riviera is looking at me with a stink eye right now because <laughs> you know, that was my Saturday. Come on, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, my Saturday sandwich cruiser, and uh, you know now the the cute redhead is going out instead. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but I took it. Took the 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 Galaxy for a little cruise uh, to get a sandwich, and. Uh, I was driving along and it was a beautiful day. So there was like some Corvette club out cruising. There was probably 12 or 15, you know, late model Corvettes that were going by on the other side. And I think one of them might've waved, you know, mm. uh, but, uh, but what did I see? The Lewis change car driving on the other Get side. Get out of here. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw Lou driving the Camaro, which was really cool. And that, that's a car that we built. Oh man. It's been a seven, number of years ago. Six, seven years ago now. Yeah. Great car, full full pro touring. You know, every every box checked. LSA T56 Magnum Detroit Speed Forge Line. You know, yeah. big brake, everything you could do. And uh, he lives fairly local to us, and I'd never see him on the road because he's a busy guy and uh-huh. and whatever. But it was such such a nice day. He was out cruising around, so it was. You know, it reminded me of that old. Um, there was an old magazine story 
where it was like a Camaro coming at you and like a 34 Ford going away from you on a two lane and both guys are thumbs up, you know, there's yeah. two different types of cars. And, and that's what happened today. So Lou gave me a big thumbs up and I gave him a big thumbs up, you know, nice. by and waved. Yeah, it was neat. And uh, I shot him a text afterwards and I said, hey man, it's, you're looking good in the car. And he's like, yeah, I thought that was you. It looks great. You know, it was cool. So. Nice. Now his son did some design work on that car, right? His son did basically all the design work on it. Yeah. Um, his son uh, is a brilliant designer, worked for GM for a while, designing the accessory program on, uh, I think, on the Chevy Cruze. Is that right? And maybe the a Traverse at the time or an Equinox, like, you know, for like uh, ski racks and, and accessory racks oh, and stuff right that on. were yeah, yeah, offered yeah. from the factory. He did all that stuff and, and left there and has been down at Rentec in Florida doing um, high-end Mercedes-Benz and oh, yeah. European parts and uh, so he designed the look of that car um, with the uh, ZL1 carbon fiber hood insert and the mm-hmm. custom 3D printed grill and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Whew. The one thing that I brought to the table on the design of that car was the stripe over the roof. So it's, uh, it's Mars red is the color. It's actually a VW color. Oh, wow. It's right between like cranberry red and hugger orange. It just kind of splits the difference between I got those. You. And uh, Dan, the designer, called for a black stripe that went up the hood and over the roof and onto the deck lid like a modern Z01. And the only thing that I ended up changing was the width of the stripe on the roof because he had a consistent width stripe over the top of the car. Okay. But the ancient Greeks figured out that because of perspective, you want to make that a little bit narrower going over the roof so that things look proportional. Otherwise, because of the way the A-pillars angle in you know and the roof is not as wide as the car if you kept it the same width all the way over the roof the stripe looked like it got wider on the roof i see it was just an optical Uh, illusion because the greeks built a lot of camaros you know and they well you know they had a lot of stripes in their in their in their day yes (laughs) yes um but and and i remember talking to the owner to lou about it we were in the paint booth laying out the stripe design and i said uh, i think we need to I think we need to pinch that in a little bit. And he's like, no, nope, no, nope, the design calls for you know, this consistent thing. And we kind of went around in circles a little bit. But when it was all painted up, I think everybody agreed that uh, this this had the right look. And uh, you could see it, you know, that car is instantly recognizable. If you're miles away, oh. like, boom, there it is. All you know, day. So, all day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. Man, that's something else, man. That was cool that you got to see him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, really dig that car. And, uh, you know, it's funny thinking about, you know, here, here's a, a local guy again that I don't get to see very often, but I think right now we've got, we've got customers and cars from seven countries in the shop right now. Get out of town. Holy cow. <laughs> well, that is out of get town. Get out of the country. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. We've been, and it's great. It's, you know, it's, it's wonderful, but uh, just when you... You look around, and, and we talk about some of the, the names of the customers when we're referring to their cars, and a lot of these are not common names right now. You know, mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, not Dave, Frank, and Joe. It's you know, <laughs> people with, with other names. So mm-hmm. between uh, the USA, Canada, Belgium, uh, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Germany, and we're consulting with a guy in Australia right now that might come over, but you know, we're, we're talking to him. Um, it's a, it's a, it's bad and nation, well, bad and worldwide, you know? Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) And we've been doing international stuff for a long time, but not this many at the same time. So that, that was, it's a tribute to the, to the team and, and also to, um, people, I think during the virus getting bored and watching videos online and nice, you know, (laughs) cool, cool cars are, are universal. So it doesn't matter where they are. They, they like to see this stuff. So true. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't, you can't go wrong with that. Always virus, notwithstanding, it's always fun to look at cool cars. That's right. Good deal. So there's, uh, another, so let's see, you're, you're still waiting on your cylinder heads. You're, you're real close on those. And, and then that thing will, uh, We'll hopefully go back together. You know, it was fun. Um, I will say a little bit of a sneak peek in, into the, the Bonneville story. 
you touch down in, in Salt Lake City and then rent a car and head west out to Wendover, Utah. And I ended up listening to one of our podcasts, believe it or not. Really? While I was You're driving. You're the guy. Out. Well, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listened to that, you know, ideal drive thing we did. What's oh, your, yeah. Your, your best drive experience. And that was really good. I, I think I was kind of having one at the same time on Highway 80 going oh, through I the desert. It. Um, so that was really cool. And then I, uh, uh, re-listened to the Jeff Smith interview from, uh, as the, the, you know, former magazine editor and he mentioned, you know, as a, when he got his job at hot rod, he was talking to the team about how cool it's going to be to be able to go to Bonneville. And I'm like, here I am. I'm going to wait, you know, back to Bonneville. How how cool that is. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was fun to kind of re-listen to those stories well, at the same time, I got a text from our buddy Yardley. Aha. Uh-huh. And Yardley bought another car. He lives in Pennsylvania, and he flew out to South Dakota or Colorado or something. Right. And bought a 97 or 98 RIV. Uh, I believe it's uh, I think it's a 90. might be a 99. It could be a 99, yeah, yeah. towards the end of the line for yeah. that, that, that last gen- generation Riviera. He's had a few of those. He always liked them. Mm-hmm. And he flew in, and he was going to beeline driving this thing back all the way to, to home. And, uh, and he texted me saying, I'm going to make this drive go smoother because I'm going to listen to all your podcasts in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I told him, I said, dude, I thought you were trying to enjoy this drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually messaged me. He was uh, coming through Chicago. And wanted to try to get together. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it happen. But uh, that was really cool that he thought enough of me to want to try to hang out a little bit. Well, yeah, who uh, wouldn't? Well, you know, you're you know, I think I'm a cool guy. guy. (laughs) You know, I'm here right now. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, so so that was nice of him. Yeah, and and uh, you know, we appreciate him being a big supporter and and everybody else who listens to this project uh, with regularity. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I think he liked the car. He said that it wasn't 100% represented as right. what he expected, but he'll fix those things. I yeah. forgot what he said wasn't quite right with it. But. It wasn't really much, but uh, it, it, he said it was a smoker's car, and he, mm. and he posted some pictures of after he shampooed the carpets, and the water was, like, black. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was gross. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he ended up with a nice, a real nice runner. He said to me, he's like, if, if I wanted to, when I drive a car, I don't want to feel the road. I, I, I don't know why cars today have to be so firm and you feel every pebble and every mm-hmm. expansion joint. I just want to glide over it. I want to feel mm-hmm. like I'm on a couch. I'm like, well, that's, that's the right car to do it in. Yeah, so. those, those are pretty nice cars. I mean, I remember when they came out, 95, I think, was that. Yeah, that body style, and there was a couple of interesting things. Um, Buick had done some, uh, you know, it's it's always funny to me. The engineering department does everything that they're going to do, and then the marketing guys kind of sift through the stuff and go, mm-hmm. "Well, maybe we could talk about that. That sounds cool, right. you know." Make up a name for that, right? Yeah. yeah, and and one of the things that they advertised was that the structure—it's obviously a, a unit body design. But the structure had a resonant frequency of like 34 hertz. Okay. <laughs> so what that means is you could hang the structure, and if you hit it with a mallet, it vibrates at a, at a frequency that we can hear. So it's like a drum. It's like a bass drum, uh. which tells you how rigid the body shell, the shell is, the, the chassis and the structure. Sure. Because if it's loose... It won't vibrate at all. It'll just go thud. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Right? So now so I'm with you. The whole body structure is very rigid, and then they designed a uh, an isolation system for the suspension, so it doesn't transfer in, but mm-hmm. it doesn't twist, and it handles well. And that was like the first car they ever advertised the resonant, you know, frequency of the chassis, oh. which I, I thought was kind of cool. I did not know that. That's that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I think those cars were like thirty-five grand when they Holy were new. Nikes. Yeah, in the mid nineties. Yeah. And I remembered uh, I went to my local Buick dealer, and I really wanted to drive one. And I was just out of college, and this guy's like, "There's no way." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, young man. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. And, and so I'm like, ah, oh, you know, but I got a job interview coming up, and uh, you know, I got no expenses, and uh, you know, 
I live with my folks, and I'm, you know, I'm really thinking about buying one of these. He's like, okay, well, you know, you bring some paycheck stubs, and we'll talk. Yeah. It's like, rats. And a heck of a lot of money down. That's it. That's it. Oh. So I never got the chance to drive one of those things. Oh, brother. Uh, even though I, I really liked the car, and I, had the, I picked up the brochure that day from the dealer, and there was another thing. The design was kind of interesting. It, it didn't look like all the jelly beans in the mid-'90s, maybe oh. a stretched-out jelly bean a little right. bit. But one of the pictures had this profile view of the car, and it said, the design is a metaphor for flight. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> I thought was kind of a stretch. <laughs> Those marketing boys are really working overtime. They sure did, man. They did everything they could on that. Um, and a couple of years ago, Trevor comes home with like a 96 or 97 Riv. So he's Does got it? one of those cars. Oh, God dang it, Trevor. Yeah, and he, he wanted a commuter that, that again, kind of like Yardley, wasn't something that was going to beat him up. Um, and he bought this thing really cheap because it had a bad front wheel bearing. And I think some, some woman got really scared off by a, a mechanic who said it was going to be a you know, majorly expensive oh, wow. fix. Oh, gee whiz. And Trevor had the bearing changed down like an hour and a half yeah. and, and has been driving it you know, ever since. And uh, he threw me the keys one day, and I finally got a chance to drive that thing. On. And his has like, I don't know, 150,000 miles on it or something. And it's still a really nice car. Um, a lot of advanced features that you wouldn't think, you know, a mid-90s car would have. Right. But uh, very, very comfortable. And, and a 3.8 um, Series 2, I guess, mm-hmm. 3800 Series 2, six-cylinder. Trevor's is not supercharged, but I think Yardley's is. Right? Oh, yeah. Yardley will not own a car that does not have a supercharger. <laughs> He made no bones about that to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're they're cool. So. Yeah, I had the uh, the Pontiac version of that. I had a, the '99 Grand Prix uh, mm. GTP a long time ago, and I had front wheel bearing issues, and I had them changed out rather quickly as well. So it's a pretty mm-hmm. easy job. Yeah, but it's the, not it's not terrible, but yeah. it, you know those things. I can just hear the mechanic now. Well, you know, he's front-wheel drive cars. Oh, we got to do everything on it. Yep, we got to take it all apart Uh and machine it and press it. Oh, my gosh. You're just going to want to give this car to us. Right. Uh, I'll just buy this car for $1,200, like Trevor. (laughs) 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 Trevor! (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. But, you know... It's been interesting because a couple of our overseas customers have um, tasked us, uh, more specifically myself, to find cars for them. And the plan is that, you know, I locate whatever it is they want, and then uh, uh, we build it at the shop and then ship it home right. to wherever they are. And uh, so you got you to gotta be good with you know, trying to figure out what this thing actually is and ask the right questions, especially if you're, you know, four or five states away. So we uh, got, I don't want to say got lucky. I mean, there, there is definitely some luck, but there, mm-hmm. there was some perseverance and, and some strategy. But we ended up obtaining three different cars for customers recently, one uh, from Arizona, another one from uh, Louisiana, I believe, and then uh, one that was local. And the local car uh, was a 72 Corvette uh, C3 convertible, 354-speed car that's going to get an LS3 swap and a bunch of cool stuff. And that one was pretty easy because I could go look at it in person. And, yeah, that's nice. Um, and it's funny, when, when a guy's trying to sell you a car and he's telling you how great the engine is and you're like, I don't care about the engine. Yeah. Doesn't make a bit of difference to me, pal. No. As soon as that thing makes it to the shop, that's going to be on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but one of the cars was kind of strange. It was 76 El Camino, right? Yeah. Which is not a very highly sought after car. Uh, but this customer, you know, again, had one, I don't know, new in the seventies and really, really liked it and, and wants to get another one and try finding one of those in Europe, you know, it's just, oh, right. it ain't going to happen. So, I started to look around, and it's interesting. They call those, you know, the the, the colonnade style. They're the yeah. mid '70s malaise period of <laughs> overgrown, kind of larger A bodies. Technically, I guess it's uh-huh. kind of before the G body. 
and I guess the people that want those really want them because huh. they're they're not cheap, you know. Really. And and many of them disappeared. I mean, I remember being a kid and those things were everywhere. Yeah. You know, everywhere. The Malibu sure. Classics and the oh, El yeah. Caminos and the you know all that stuff. And now you can't find them. And and I don't know if it was just because of scrapping or you know I don't think they rusted away real bad, but. Uh, we ended up finding one in Arizona, and it turned out to be a really nice car. So I was, nice. I was happy, and I think we bought it pretty well for the guy. And uh, and that one's going to get an engine swap of some sort. We're still trying to figure it out what it's going to be. Um, probably an LS and an automatic, some tubular control arms and better brakes. Nice. Uh, um, to be reliable and you know to be able to handle, uh, you know, being driven spiritedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a different part of the world. But the, ex- the interesting thing about this whole experience is that when we start talking about engine swaps and especially late model stuff, um, our shop is fortunate that we are recognized installers for GM and Ford products and, and Mopar too, to where, especially with the GM stuff, if you buy a crate engine, like a brand new crate LS3, they come with a two-year warranty but because we're installing it, the warranty doesn't start until the customer gets the car. Right. And that's a big thing, you know, because it could be a couple of months or six months or whatever. Well, I was telling this customer in Europe, and he said, you know what, I don't care. And I said, really? Hmm. And he said, yeah, there is no more GM in Europe. Hmm. And I went, what? Oh, wow. Right. It it just didn't make any sense to me. And, And what we've learned is that He's right. There's no more Chevrolet franchises. You can special order Corvettes, but that's really about the only thing that they're selling right now in GM. So he's like, nobody's going to honor a warranty over here anyway. It doesn't even matter to me. Let's just get a good engine. Yeah. That blows my mind. I know. It doesn't make sense, but... Kind of makes me sad a little bit. It's Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, uh, and, and don't quote me, you know, I'm not the world's authority on the global sales strategies of general motors but uh he brought that up and he's pretty sharp and trevor's like yeah that's that's how it is you know they don't really sell those things over there anymore so i thought that was pretty wild yeah that just seems crazy to leave an entire market like that yeah i know but you know who knows i know ford's huge in europe and oh yeah and and you know the current mustang was actually designed more for european roads than american for crying out loud is that right yeah, proportionally, yeah, they had to. They they wanted that car to be attractive to European drivers, uh, with its size and its appearance and its maneuverability and everything for smaller roads and huh. and that whole deal. Of course, they designed it for Americans as well. But I mean, yeah, this was right. the first time they really paid a lot of focus on making that car appeal everywhere around the world. So wow, yeah, that's a that would have been a hell of a trivia question somewhere in there. Mm. Don't worry, we'll both forget it, and it'll yeah. come up again. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, folks. <laughs> yes, because that episode that I listened to was what was your Tucker reci- or your uh, your DeLorean recycled question episode? Oh God, dang it! Yeah, <laughs> uh, that hurt. That hurt. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, good times. Well, speaking of trivia questions, yes, ah. Uh, uh, maybe we should relieve these because uh, there was a little bit of a, you know, some. <laughs> there was definitely some laughter on the, on the asking of these questions. People are you know probably waiting, so I'm going to let you go first. Okay, all right, Kevin. So I asked you what uh, year. I gave you the option to answer one of the three questions in here, either the year, make, and displacement of the last engine to be outfitted with a Rochester Quadrajet from the factory. Right, I remember now, yeah. And you said an 88 Chevrolet 5.7 liter. I, and it's wrong. I know it's wrong, but go ahead. Every, every bit of that is wrong. I know, I know. Because, yeah, there's a trick in there. What yeah, was it? turns out it was on a 1990 Oldsmobile 307. Um, which went, man. yeah, which went into the Cadillac Brome, uh, and 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 full size station wagons made by Chevrolet, Pontiac, and Oldsmobile and Buick. Ah, man, not even close. <laughs> and I know people that had those things. I love that question. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a Thanks. great question. Yeah, because 
That was trivial, but very good. Yeah, very trivial. No, that was that was a really good question. When hmm. I was researching, and I'm like, I didn't know Olds had a 307 in 1990. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you you would think that 307 would have been done by 86 or 7. Yeah. And it wasn't the Chevy 307. It wasn't Oldsmobile. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, you got me. Thank you. Yeah, oh, and you're about to get me, too. <laughs> well, you know, my question was convoluted. Uh, uh, so we were talking about a, a vehicle called the Silver Sapphire, a 32 Ford, that was featured on the July 61 cover of Hot Rod magazine and was also featured on another significant cover. And the question is, what was it? And you... <laughs> <laughs> You uh, pointed out that our buddy Chili Catalo landed his 32 Ford on the cover of a box of Wheaties cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's all coming back to me now. (laughs) Yeah, which was outstanding. You know, it was a great answer. Uh, Unfortunately, it's uh, it's not correct. where this car landed was on the cover of the 1963 Beach Boys record, Little Deuce Coop. Oh, man. This was the Little Deuce Coop, for crying out God loud. God dang it. Yeah, yeah. So it deserved uh, to be on the cover of Wheaties, for it, sure. It did deserve it. It yeah. did deserve it. It earned the honor. It, it should have been everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, um, swing and a miss, but a great, I mean, a swing for the fences in, in the next ballpark. I mean, that was, that was really tremendous. <laughs> I, left, I left it all on the field, man. I left oh, yeah. it all on the field. Nothing hanging out on the floor there. So, <laughs> I, I encourage people to look that up because it's, it's kind of a fun uh, story. So, I don't even know how this happened, but I was... Uh, listening to some music and a uh, little deuce coop came out and there was a whole um style of photography that was popular back in those days of you know bands where, where all three or all four guys are wearing the same get up you know mm-hmm. they're standing by a car you know like beach boys are all on the beach or whatever and and they all had a neat look because the, uh, those photos were all like shot at high noon you know, it was all very bright and, right. and, and rich in color. And so I, I ended up looking up the uh, uh, the Beach Boys' Little Deuce Coop song in the record, and I went, what car is this? I mean, this thing's serious. And learned through a few clicks that that was uh, actually a Hot Rod cover car, and it was the same photograph. Really? And I don't know if it was Eric Rickman or Bob DeLevo, one of the, the ph- photographers at, uh, at Hot Rod, shot that. And then I guess they licensed the picture to the record label. to, uh, okay. And they just cropped out um, the background, and it's, it's, you know, but it's obviously the same car. So uh, I think Chili Catalo was in the picture, and they like cut him off at the midsection, and it's oh, the boy. car. Yeah, and that's the record <laughs> cover. So Nice. Yeah, pretty cool. But that interesting is really cool. History. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Yeah, I don't know if anybody cares, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> I think they would have liked it better if it did end up on a box of Wheaties, but that's oh, yeah. you know that's just my opinion. Well, yeah, or a, <laughs> you know a box of Captain Crunch or something, <laughs> some fruity pebbles maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Count Dragula. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Dragula. <laughs> oh man, oh, that was man. great. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, listen, this was, uh, this was fun. And uh, again, for our listeners, a uh, sneak preview of our next episode, which is going to be uh, the 2020 Bonneville Experience, which uh, you know, w- was really something else, a lot of cool stuff. So we invite you to come back and, and tune in for that. And where can they tune in, Kevin? They can tune in uh, basically anywhere they like to get their podcasts. So uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I did learn that the Google Play thing is going away for podcasts. Is it? Yeah, but you can very easily just type in V8 Radio into Google, and you'll find a whole list of places where you can get the show. Nice. And uh, subscribe to all of them, uh, you know, everywhere you can. And then you might get an email saying, hey, the new episode's out. And if you do listen to to the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. And leave us a five-star review or a five-star rating and, and a review. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, they could leave whatever star rating they want, but it'd be great if it was a good one. 
We're going for five stars, Kevin. Yeah, okay. So, all right, selling that five star. That's right. Uh, we're pretty good. I think we've got all five stars except one four one star. One guy, yeah. And that was because yeah. of me. Well, <laughs> but it was because you were... That you was because of me. <laughs> it, it was because you, you had a great outburst of energy and laughter. I mean, how could you take stars away for that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just got a little loud, oh, but that's okay. You know, woke him up. He was you know, yeah. driving to work or something. It made me a better editor. There you go. Mm-hmm. See? And you get a gold star for that, my friend. Thanks, buddy. That's that missing star. That's it. It's been reclaimed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure to, to hang out. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Kevin Oste for Mr. Mike Hubal-Clark, uh, reminding you to uh, keep it just under 500 for our next episode of V8 Radio.